Welcome to The Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Khalees Smith. Coming up, Pizza Quest 2. Our search for the best pizza in the 413 continues at the suggestion of listener Jennifer Vose. We'll go to Family Pizzeria in Europa in Family Pizzeria Europa in Springfield. Oh, I'd go to Family Pizzeria Springfield in Europa, too. If that was I mean, if that were an option, yeah. we would go. And we'll talk with Kristen Vangenhoven about Wham! <laughs> no, not George Michael's old band, the theater in Lenox and hear about where art and activism meet. And we'll talk with Celtic Crossing's radio host, Louise Dumphy, who'll give us a rundown of where you can catch great Irish music this St. Patrick's Day weekend. But first... Every Thursday, we're joined by U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts, the ranking member on the Rules Committee, U.S. Congressman from Worcester, Massachusetts, Jim McGovern, a segment we like to call McGoverning with McGovern. You can always send your questions for the congressman at the fab413 at nepm.org or text them at 800-639-9120. Congressman, there was a story in the Greenfield Recorder by my friend Julian Mendoza, Dateline Montague, Red Fire Farms, Ryan and Sarah Voiland, full disclosure, my oldest son's employers because he works at their farm, <laughs> joined hundreds of farmers from across the U.S. for a climate rally in Washington, D.C., marching to the Capitol before meeting with legislators to ask for climate change policy to be a priority in the 2023 Farm Bill, which you're also involved with on the Agricultural Commission. The delegation of farmers met with several congressional offices on uh, earlier this week, including those of U.S. Senators Ed Markey, Elizabeth Warren, U.S. Representatives Jim McGovern, Richie Neal, and Ayanna Presley. And uh, it seemed like it was a favorable response to what they were petitioning you to do there, Congressman? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Look, I do farm tours every year, as you know. And what I hear almost... Uh, the first thing out of the the mouths of farmers when I when I visit their farms is climate change. Uh, over the last few years, farmers have noticed how climate change has impacted their ability, you know, to to be able to have a productive farm. I mean, we have these extreme weather patterns, droughts, or or, that, or heavy rains. We have shorter winters. Uh, there are plant diseases that are now becoming common in this part of the country that never existed before invasive species are are are, are living through the, the the winter months because the winters are mild and they're dealing with that so there, there's all kinds of new issues that farmers have to deal with uh, and it impacts their livelihood uh, so I mean they're pleading that one that Congress gets serious and administration gets serious about combating climate change and two that we make sure that there are investments, whether it's mitigation investments or whether it's investments to help farmers adapt to what they need to do to be able to, uh, uh, you know, deal with the current realities. So this is a big issue. Climate change is real and it's local. Uh, and that's what these farmers are, are, are stressing to the members of Congress that they're meeting with. And I'm glad that they're there. Meanwhile, uh, NPR and others reporting this week that the Biden administration has approved a massive new oil drilling project in Alaska over the objections and potential lawsuits of environmental advocates who have said that greenlighting the plan would violate the president's climate goals. What's your take on the decision to f- drill in the the Willow drilling project? Yeah. Well, I've publicly uh, urged the administration to reconsider that decision. I think it's a mistake. Uh, and I quite frankly don't know why they're doing it. I mean, the oil companies right now um, have plenty of ability to expand uh, you know, what they produce, they're not doing it. They choose to produce less and charge people more. That's price gouging. So why are we giving this gift to the oil industry, oil and gas industry? So I, I 
you know, I think it's I think it's a mistake. Is it a, um, is it a political I, move with inflation, it, it, where he you know the, he has not quite officially announced that he's running for president again? I don't believe, but that if oil prices were to come down in the next couple of years, it would look better for the reelection of President Biden. I mean, I, I don't I don't know what really is behind this decision. I just think it's a, the wrong decision, um, and uh, and so I support those who are challenging it. And uh, again, I've publicly urged the administration to reconsider the decision. Um, and I, I, again, I, I, you know, if, if it's a political decision, you know what, we, we, we ought to take politics out of the issue of climate change. This is serious. And, you know, we're getting to the point of, uh, you know, of no return. So, you know, I, again, this is a bad idea. We ought to be moving more aggressively toward weaning ourselves off of fossil fuels. That's what the Inflation Reduction Act uh, promised because there's historic investments uh, in that bill that can help move us in a different direction uh that's the, that's what i think he should be talking about and and that's what he should be selling to the american people uh, so that we're not you know constantly at the you know at the mercy of these big fossil fuel companies that really don't care about people all they care about is making money another thing congressman mcgovern that you have been pressuring the administration to consider is reparations this from the daily hampshire gazette and scott Merzbach. U.S. Representative Jim McGovern is using his recent participation in a listening session of Amherst's African Heritage Reparation Assembly as a basis for calling on President Biden to create a presidential commission to study reparations for slavery. You're quoted as saying Amherst is doing the work. They should be a model for the rest of the country. Tell us what the Biden administration's response to your uh, request for at least uh, an inquiry into whether or not this is a possibility nationwide. Well, they haven't got back to me yet, but uh, in fairness, they, they, the, the, my, my request just went out a couple of weeks ago, so I, you know, I've given them a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, I was serious uh, in what I said in the letter that I, I, I thought my my discussion with Amherst, uh, with people in Amherst, was was quite revealing, um, and it reminded me that we, we, you know, we, we we have to we can't just forget about this issue and you know what reparations are and what they look like. I have no idea, right? I mean, that's why we need to have a commission to figure out uh, at, in, in 2023, you know, how we would proceed. And, you know, and I think the administration could create that commission without having to wait for Congress because clearly we won't be able to get a bill out of the Republican-controlled House dealing with this issue. But, uh, you know, we, we ought to live up to our history. We ought, to, we ought to figure out what the right thing to do is, and I think we ought to get the, you know, the... the best and the brightest and the experts on this stuff together and say, you know, what would reparations look like in the year 2023? And we ought to move on it. So, you know, I, again, Amherst has been, you know, leading in this issue. We had a, a great conversation and, uh, and I, uh, and that's what inspired me to do this letter. Speaking with U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern, McGoverning with McGovern, uh, in the more easterly part of your district in central Massachusetts, you announced yesterday, Congressman, $1.2 million in federal funding to support Central Massachusetts Agency on Aging, creating a grandparents raising grandkids resource in Worcester. The center would train BIPOC community health workers to connect grandparent-led households to services like language translation, housing, transportation, financial literal, uh, literacy, mental and behavioral health, and more. Is this a particularly pronounced issue in Worcester? A dear friend of mine wrote a book about being raised by his grandparents, a graphic novel, uh, Jarrett J. Krasowska, who li- yeah. now lives in Florence. 
about being raised by his grandparents in Worcester. Is this a, a particularly pronounced Worcester problem, or are there other such agencies in other parts of your district or the country that you know about? Well, it's a problem all over the it's a problem all over the state and a problem all, all over the country. I should tell you, we didn't really announce it yesterday because the snowstorm postponed it. But nonetheless, <laughs> um, it, 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 it is there. Look, uh, for a whole bunch of reasons, right? Uh, you know, we, we see situations where grandparents are raising grandchildren, uh, and it's complicated uh, because you know grandparents, um, you know, may be living in um, senior housing that doesn't allow for younger people to to also live in that same housing and so we have to address the issue of how we find affordable housing for these families also you know just the the, the, the dealing with school systems health care uh, and uh, you know all these other programs that can aid parents who are raising their children but don't necessarily translate to grandparents raising their children mm-hmm. uh, and so there needs to be uh, a central system, if you will, to help aid grandparents to figure all this out. And there also needs to be, you know, uh, appropriate investments in housing uh, that can accommodate grandparents raising grandchildren. And, you know, we, we just got an earmark for uh, such a project in Athol, which will uh, be uh, up and running in, in the not-too-distant future. But this is an issue all over the country, um, and it's something that we need to focus more attention on because it's complicated. And is this modeled after other agencies doing the same thing elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, there are other agencies that, you know, that are, 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 are kind of a clearinghouse for people who deal with, with certain issues. But we, 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 you know, right now, I mean, you know, if you're a grandparent raising your grandchildren and you try to figure out, okay, like, how do I deal with the school system? Well, you get to call the school system. What about housing? Well, I don't know. I got to call somebody else about that. What about how we deal with health insurance and and making sure my grandkids can get the health care they need. Well, I, I got to call somebody else. It's it's overwhelming, uh, and grandparents lovingly are taking in uh, their grandkids again for a variety of reasons because parents can't quite do it. Um, but we want to make it so that grandparents can be all that they can be, and that these kids get all the support that they need. And grandparents, again, who many of them living on fixed incomes, don't have the resources just to be able to pick up and you know feed an additional mouth or two miles or three miles whatever i mean it's, it's there are a lot of challenges there this is an attempt to try to make kind of one-stop shopping to make it easier i get and this is a much much bigger problem than people realize uh the, the number of grandparents raising grandchildren you know has proliferated all over massachusetts and all over the country uh and it is a big deal Congressman McGovern, you've been spending time in your district this week, despite the fact that there was, in some places, historic snow. Yeah. Uh, you spent time in Buckland and Goshen. Uh, are these new communities that you're representing with the redistricting? Yes. I'm, I'm trying to get to know these new communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was in Buckland yesterday. We were supposed to go to Shelburne, but uh, the power was down, so we had to skip that. Uh-huh. And then we went to Goshen, almost didn't make it because the number of the roads weren't plowed <laughs> and couldn't get there, and there were wires down. But we made it. We were 40 minutes late, but we, we, we ended up making it. And I'm on my way to West Hampton, and we're, we're going to Chesterfield, Williamsburg. Your aide, Kobe, telling you everywhere you'll be going yeah, today. Kobe, so, yeah, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like I, just, I, I'm, I just got up. But anyway, but the... But the um, but anyway, I'm trying to get to know these new uh, these new communities. And one of the things I am learning, and again, it's 
uh, is that these rural hill towns really are amazing places, but have not been given adequate support uh, by the state of the federal government. I mean, they many in many respects are on their own. Mm. Um, and I commend Maura Healy for appointing a special uh, position to deal with rural communities. But people, they need help now. I mean, they, 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 people, everything from, you know, fire trucks to ambulances to, you know, they, they, their meeting places are, you know, are disrepair to uh, garages to be able to house, you know, the, the uh, plows and, 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 you know, and other equipment for the town. I mean, there is a real need to focus on these rural, uh, smaller towns. Um, is, is that something that the federal government can intervene on? I mean, when you're talking about the, the roads being plowed, that's a, a municipal issue largely. And, uh, you know, fire trucks and things like that oftentimes fall under the umbrella of taxes municipally or maybe state. Right. But is the federal government where you are spending your time representing them uh, able to assist yeah. in those things? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, fire departments are a primarily a local issue, but we have a federal program called the Assistance to Firefighters Grant that, that helps with, you know, everything from personnel to equipment to fire trucks. So, you know, we need to make those connections. Um, you know, USDA Rural Development uh, federal program helps not only farms, you know, but can help with, you know, municipal buildings, can help with, you know, health care centers, can help with a whole bunch of stuff. So we're trying to make these connections between these local towns um, and these federal programs. And again, some of these towns, you know, they, they have a town administrator or a town manager, and that's it, right? So that person has to do everything right. from kind of run daily operations to, you know, be the grant writer to find the grants. So we're, we're trying to figure out a, a way here to make it a little bit easier for people and to establish communications directly between these local towns and these federal agencies. And I think we'll be able to help, uh, but it's. But I'll, I'll tell you, they're amazing places, and uh, and I, and I, 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 I even believe that we need to do a better job here in the state in terms of promoting tourism in some of these communities. They're they're absolutely beautiful, and even going through this, you know, the, the, the snow yesterday. I mean, <laughs> and wondering whether we'd make it. It it, it, it was breathtakingly beautiful, um, and uh, and we had to do a better job of promoting these areas for people not only throughout the state, but in other states as well. The NEPM News Director, Sam Hudzik, uh, drew my attention to the fact that Mass Live tweeted a picture of you, Congressman McGovern, shoveling your sidewalk this <laughs> week during the snow that we've been talking about. Sam says, I'm intrigued by the sneakers while shoveling decision. It's either <laughs> overconfidence or poor planning. Was it overconfidence or poor planning, Congressman? Uh, uh, poor, poor planning. Okay. Poor planning. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I joke. My wife wanted me to have a heart attack. That's why she had me up snowing. Uh-huh. Uh, but, the, but, the, but the, you know, we don't have a we don't have a snow blower because we don't have a garage in our house in Worcester. But I, I was trying to get ahead of the snow, and so um, I, I did like six shovelings uh, in order to, and, and and yet the final shovel just didn't seem like I made much of a dent. But in any event, if you go to our house in Worcester, it is perfectly. Good shoveled, and I'm really proud of it. It's that. your responsibility so, as a homeowner to keep those sidewalks clean for people. So that's good. Even yeah, God knows if they weren't, you know, I have a neighbor <laughs> that would complain that I'm, you know, complain to be fine. Complain to the federal government about it. Sam. Uh, <laughs> Sam also wants to know. Um, it's March Madness is here, and sports betting is legal now in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. 
Do you follow March Madness? Do you bet on sports? Uh, and or are you concerned about the continued gambling expansion in Massachusetts, like some researchers have said about the potential detriments to uh, having this kind of unfettered, in some ways, access to being able to gamble on anything from your phone at this point? Yeah, you know, I don't. I, 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 you know, I'm not betting on anything, but my kids are. Really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I've learned long ago to never make say anything public about a sports team because when I do, <laughs> someone's always on the other side and gets very upset. So, in any event, but uh, yeah, I mean, what, I mean, what? I mean, I don't even. I haven't really. I haven't given that much thought, but you know, you know, my 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 son is participating in something. My brother-in-law, I mean, we're, you know, whatever. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm not a big gambling fan, but, you know, I'm not losing sleep over this. Uh, one, another opportunity to ask questions of the congressman, Jim McGovern, who I'm speaking with right now, besides this show, where you can always send an email to the fab413 at nepm.org, or you can text us at 1-800-639-9120, uh, will be this Saturday in Williamsburg uh, with Indivisible Williamsburg, a political action group, for a town hall conversation. Uh, what are you uh, hoping to get across there, hear from the folks from Indivisible Williamsburg this Saturday at the uh, Dunphy School on Petticoat Hill Road in Williamsburg? Yeah, well, look, I'm looking forward to it. This, Williamsburg is a new community for me, um, and some of the other surrounding towns, I guess, are being invited as well. When I was, when I was in Goshen yesterday, I saw a uh, a, a, a little poster announcing, you know, to come to this town meeting. Look, this is how I learn. I don't know everything, right? I mean, I, I freely admit that. And the only way I can learn is if I directly hear from people. And uh, so, you know, part of this for me is about learning and hearing what's on people's minds. I, you know, I'm going to answer questions, but I'm also going to, you know, talk about some of the challenges we face in Washington. We have a farm bill coming up, but, you know, some of the priorities for that, the president's budget. I mean, uh, you know, and whatever anyone wants to talk about. But these community meetings to me, you know, are incredibly important. And I, you know, do them all the time. And uh, we, we had to stop briefly because of COVID, but then we started last year doing them in person again. And uh, I, I hear from all sides. I, I realize I'm not universally loved when I do these <laughs> <laughs> But nonetheless, it, it's good for my ego to have people constantly check me. Uh, but I, I, I just I want to know what people think and whether they think I'm on the right track on stuff or whether they think I'm, you know, way off. And, you know, and listen to what people think we ought to be raising in Washington. So, uh, you know, people should come. And uh, I look forward to I, I don't see any snow in the forecast, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, but it uh, I, I you know, I, I, I learn a lot from these gatherings. Congressman Jim McGovern is the U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts. He joins us every Thursday. You can always ask him a question, and I'll ask it on your behalf at thefab413 at nepm.org or 1-800-639-9120 for a text. Thanks as always. Congressman, we'll talk to you again next week. All the best. Be safe. Bye. On the way, our search for the best pizza in the 413 continues with Pizza Quest 2. Electric Boogaloo will go to Family Pizzeria Europa in Springfield to check out their pie. And we'll talk with Christian Van Genvoven, Artistic Director at Wham Theater in Lenox, and hear about where art and activism meet. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. 
<laughs> Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. The mission statement of Linux's WAM Theater, an acronym for where arts and activism meet, states that WAM engages the community by producing theatrical events for everyone, with a focus on women theater artists and or stories of women and girls by donating a portion of proceeds from those theatrical events to organizations that work to benefit the lives of women and girls in our communities and worldwide. Tickets are now available for their spring main stage production, What the Constitution Means to Me, a co-production with the Berkshire Theater Group. The Berkshire Theater Group's Unicorn Theater in Stockbridge features two-time Tony Award-nominated actor Kate Baldwin. The show runs Thursday through Sunday through the middle of May, the beginning of June, written by Heidi Schreck and directed by Wham Theater's Kristen Vangenhoven, who joins us now. Welcome to the Fabulous 413. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. And I love that I'm on after a congressman to talk about this play. <laughs> yes, it's perfect what the Constitution means Keeping to me. it extra relevant. How did you get involved with the Wham Theater? What was compelling about working with them? Well, I actually am one of the co-founders of the theater company 14 years ago. I um, read a book called Half the Sky by... Um, Nick Kristoff and Cheryl Wudun, which inspired me to find a way to use theater as activism to help those that are on the front lines dealing with the issues that affect women and girls. And so Wham Theater was born 14 years ago. It's the only child I've had thus far. <laughs> um, and she's 14 years old now. So that's how I got involved. I just I read a book, I was inspired, and I wanted to find a way to use what I do, which is theater, to um, help women and girls. She's a beautiful team with her own visions and her yeah. own self-identity, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Speaking of, how does this new show that will be opening in May fit in with that vision? Yeah, well, this, you know, have you ever wondered if the Constitution is the source of our problems or the solution to our problems? <laughs> you know, I mean, certainly as women, we've seen over the pandemic and with the Dobbs decision that any rights that we do have have seemed to be going backwards. And when this document was built, so many people were left out, including women. Um, of all races, of all abilities, of all classes, of all sexualities, you know. Um, and so this play was done on Broadway, was a huge hit after a very long development period. And it hasn't been available to be produced anywhere outside of New York City until a few months ago. Our associate artistic director, Talia Kingston, got an email from the rights company saying that the rights were now available and that was at 9 a.m. and by 10 a.m. we had put in for the put in for the rights. You know? <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> yeah. Line. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you can just yeah I mean oh go ahead. Oh, no. You can just request things. <laughs> had you put in a request early on that like if that show became available you were really interested? Exactly. I mean ever <laughs> since we saw it I mean it's written by a middle-aged white woman um, and no there are no so few plays that feature middle-aged women, white or otherwise. Um, so that was something that we really related to, and we know that our audience relates to. And then it shares the story of how Heidi, who was the original playwright and the original performer, how she earned her college tuition by winning constitutional debate competitions across the U.S. And when she becomes middle-aged, she's having a bit of a uh, conflict with herself about, you know, why did she love this document so much when it didn't even include, it didn't even give her any rights, it erased her completely. 
Um, so in the first part of the play, she is a- addressing that conflict within herself. And in the second part of the play, she invites a 15-year-old student of color, female-identifying student of color, to come on stage and have a live debate with her. And the question is, should we abolish the Constitution or not? And this 15-year-old you know, student who represents our future and this middle-aged woman <laughs> have this live debate. We don't know who is debating for or against. They toss a, toss a coin, and we find the audience finds out that night. And then the audience, you know, gets to decide basically who won the debate. And so, if anybody has ever wondered about this or has been, you know, dealing with the conflicts inherent in this founding document, um, this is the play for them. We're speaking with the director of Wham Theater in Stockbridge, Kristen Vangenhoven, about the new season coming up and the, the play, What the Constitution Means to Me. How is it going to look at WAM uh, in a co-production with the Berkshire Theater Company? And have you been reaching out to uh, local debate teams in the area to get incorporated into this production? Oh, great question. I actually go from this radio show to our callbacks for that role uh-huh. for the 15-year-old. And we have done so much outreach. We actually reached out to Tony Dunn about as school Who? match. With. No, I'm just kidding. He's our director and the director of a school's match with the longest-running kids quiz show in the country, we believe. Yes. And, you know, we asked if there were students that had been on that, and we connected to those coaches. We've connected to debate coaches, to a Berkshire Theater Group has an extensive connection to the school communities here. So we did a lot of outreach, and we have six extraordinary young folks that are coming to audition and do their callbacks with us, and we'll cast out of that. So it's it's very exciting. We have these, you know, young women who's you know, parents or guardians or grandparents are driving them to the audition and they're like, everyone says this is me. I have this conversation all the time. So we're very excited to kind of have Kate Baldwin, this two-time Tony-nominated act, professional actress, alongside, you know, playing herself on stage because the play is written by Heidi Schreck and she plays herself. And in part two, you know, Kate Baldwin is the one having this debate with this young student. Um, so it's it's a total theatrical experience. It's very different than a traditional play. Um, and we think it's going to be really juicy and stimulating for a conversation for the audience. This is not the only time that you work with younger thespians. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll get into sure. the vocab. Why not? Younger actors. You have a teen ensemble, an elder ensemble, and a POC ensemble. What do those bring to your company? Oh, my gosh. I mean, this like very new perspectives, you know, and and different perspectives and um, ensuring that, you know, if we say that we are a company that is uplifting and affirming the stories of women and girls, that we're really consciously being thoughtful and intentional about what stories we're telling. Um, And the truth is, in the first 10 years, we told a lot of white stories. Right. And so now in our second decade, we've begun to redress that balance and ensure we're telling intergenerational stories, intersectional stories. Um, And so we actually have a teen ensemble coming up during spring break and there's still some spots left. So if there are any listeners, you know, who are, they have, they know someone who's 13 to 18, who is femme, non-binary or trans identified youth, they can come and join the company. It's a paid opportunity. Um, And they can go to our website, whamtheater.com, and apply there and find out more and have a four-day paid teen ensemble during spring break, and our, uh, which is, I believe, April 21st is when it begins. Yeah, April 18th to the 21st. 
And then our elder ensemble um, start was supposed to start on Tuesday during the big snowstorm. So they're going to start next <laughs> week, and they're going to meet for a bunch of weeks. And um, the POC ensemble isn't happening this year. Uh, that happened during the pandemic, and we're kind of revisiting that when we have the, uh, uh, you know, it has. we have to make sure that it comes from the community. Nothing about us without us, right? Right. So that's how we're moving forward with that. But just having the intersection of the different stories and having those in ensembles working together, you know, it's been illuminating for the elder ensemble to hear how the teen ensemble thinks about things like the American dream. You know, they think about it completely differently. It's not it's not something idealistic and nostalgic for the teens of our time, whereas that's what it still is for the elders of our time. Um, and it's a very different, you know, definition of it for our POC ensemble. So having all of that conversation happening together uh, really opens up people's hearts and minds, gets us walking in each other's shoes and uh, helps us move forward into a world where everyone feels equal and equal sense of belonging. Which is what I feel like theater is generally supposed to do. Yeah, theater is such a great space to have these conversations in an artistic way and to open people's minds up to these concepts that might be hard to have over uh, a dinner table or something like that. But when you see it presented in this way, with the youth that you've worked with in the past, is how has this affected their worldview? The, the name of the theater is WAM, where arts and activism meet. Do you feel like the, the people that you work with come in with one perspective and leave with a, a different perspective in regards to, to art as activism? I think that might be true, just sort of speaking for myself, for some of our adult or older audience members. But I think you have experienced this and you know that the youth of today, for the most part, is extremely engaged. You know, they're they're globally connected in a way that they never were before. They're inheriting this world with so many urgent issues. Um, and so many of them are just inherently activists already. Uh, and I think they're just really happy that they have a place where they can come and have a voice around that activism and feel like they're doing something. I mean, that's how I feel when something happens in the world that is just crushing around um, people who identify as women and girls. I know that I can come to work every day and I am taking some kind of action, even though I'm one person, I can make a tiny difference. Um, in being involved. And the definition of activism has expanded so much. People used to think of it as like chaining yourself to a fence and, you know, marching with your sign. And that is definitely still a part of it. But it's also just presenting these plays, presenting these opportunities, having that conversation with your grandparents or your aunt or your uncle. You know, activism, the definition of that is so expanded in our world today uh, for the good. So I think our teens are just they relish the opportunity to to really live in that activist space with us and use art to express the passion that they're feeling for the issues of our world today. It's Wham! Theater's production of What the Constitution Means to Me, a co-production with the Berkshire Theater Group at the Berkshire Theater Group's Unicorn Theater in Stockbridge. Features two-time Tony Award-nominated actor Kate Baldwin, written by Heidi Schreck and directed by our guest, Wham! Theater's Kristen Vangenhoven who's been with us. Those tickets are available now, and the show runs through mid-May through early June. Coming up, Pizza Quest 2. Our search for the best pizza in the 413 continues. We go to Family Pizzeria Europa in Springfield after a suggestion from listener Vos. And we'll talk with Celtic Crossing radio host Louise Dunphy, who'll give us a rundown of where you can catch great Irish music this St. Patrick's Day weekend. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. What's the name of that book again? 
it's the modern modernist pizza. pizza. Oh yeah, it's like four hundred bucks. Yeah, Susie gave it to me. Yeah, yeah right. but it's like also like six hundred. Like it's not four hundred bucks. It's, it's a book about yeah. pizza. Oh, yeah. I gotta ask. <laughs> like multiple books. The guy is a um, the guy who does these is a. I think he cashed out of Microsoft with millions and millions of dollars, and this is his he makes cookbooks now. Yeah, he makes really elaborate cookbooks that do deep dives into every little molecular detail yeah. about pizza, and he's, he's super into photography yeah. and prides himself on all his photos are not photoshopped. So if you see some really wild picture in there of like a pizza shaped like Italy, that's a real pizza that they made and baked. <laughs> you know, took a picture of. Kalisa they, and I saw a Wu-Tang shaped pizza on the internet the other day. Shaolin shadow boxing. And the Wu-Tang sword style. That was awesome. <laughs> it was. It also had like crust in places that were like undescribable. <laughs> it's not like they ate it in the shape of the Wu-Tang logo. No, but it uh. also looked like cutting the pizza after the fact uh -huh. is cheating, which I think is what they did. We're going to have some breaking Valley cookbook news coming up early next month. That's a little teaser for you. Yes. Well, we're, the exclusive, the scoop. But here we are again. Pizza Quest. Pizza Quest. Our quest to find the best pizza in the four counties of Western Mass. And joining me, Monty, is of course Kalee Smith. Our director, Tony Dunn, who you hear at the end of the show in the credits, but is joining us on the air. Hello, Tony Dunn. Hi, Monty, I'm looking forward to this. Just like me, half garlic, half Gaelic, half Italian, half Irish. Perfect with the, uh, between the Ides of March, where an Italian was murdered, and St. Patrick's Day, which is tomorrow. And with our friend and amateur pizzaiolo, Mark Latanzi, who's full Italian. Full Italian, and by the way, March 18th is St. Joseph's Day. So there we go. There we go. All right, and so we were suggested the place that we we're eating, Pizza Quest 2, Family Pizza Europa on Sumner Ave, right across from the Bing, in Springfield, near the X. Jennifer Vose sent us an email saying, hello, love the show. It's well, fabulous. I tend to miss the middle because of picking up our son from school, but I've caught what I can, and I think it's just great. Admittedly, I'm sad to be missing an hour of music, but if anything's going to take its place, the fabulous 413 feels good. Best pizza? which is the question we asked and we ask of you, which you can answer us at thefab413 at nepm.org or 1-800-639-9120 via text. Jennifer says, our favorite is Family Pizza Europa on Sumner Ave in Springfield. We love Red Rose too, but family tends to be a bit more convenient for us. We've grown quite fond of it, so perhaps you can consider them in your quest for best pizza in the area. Thanks for all you do. Your friends, Jen, Dave, Gilbert, and Daisy Vose, Springfield, Mass. And this is the point where we mentioned that the Yankee Sippa from State Street also recommended this place. Oh, cool. As did uh, Elizabeth Roman from the NEPM newsroom. And hopefully we have enough to bring back to her. I was trying to advocate for the large, which was a square shape, but we want a triangle shape. And also, we discredited the, the square shape pizza in the first episode. We're not going back on those words. We might have to, but all of us, at least we three, and I don't know your opinion on this, Tony, prefer triangle shapes as opposed to square shape. It's, so it's a deal breaker with this group. You must be, in order for, to qualify for Pizza Quest, no? No, it's just we did the no. square one already. We prefer not. It's a matter of surface area and how much of the pizza can actually get in contact with the oven to get to a certain consistency. There's also a lack of crust, exactly. a, which yeah. I think is an integral part of, the, yeah. for me, the pizza going experience. It's an unfair advantage to the middle pieces if your crust sucks. <laughs> that is not touching the edge crust. Also, I will say we invited the Vos family to join us for this pizza, but they weren't able to come. Granted, it was last minute. But uh, we will invite you to come when we come to the place that you suggest for Pizza Quest 3. The rules of Pizza Quest. The pizza has to be half cheese, half pepperoni and mushroom. It puts everything on an even footing. We'll wait for the pizza to come out. We will judge it as it comes out. We won't eat it before it gets too hot so it doesn't burn our mouth. And Says then you. 
and then we will see how it holds up as it gets colder on the counter. And then we'll ultimately, hopefully, give a slice to Liz Roman in the news department and get her opinion There's on it. There's not going to be enough left. There's 14 slices. I'm going to save her one. Pizza Quest 1 was at Red Rose in Springfield, where the decor is incredible. It's like as... There's uh, a as lot a, of chandeliers in that place. Yeah, right. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the decor here at Pizzeria Family Europa. Lots of classic Italian mobster movies, uh, photos on the wall. But just cozier, like I feel so much more comfortable here yeah. <laughs> than I did in Red Rose. Red Rose is, is big and intimidating in Nothing against Red Rose, it's just, yeah, it's just large and open, and again, so many chandeliers. It's Nobody from Red Rose is here, you can talk freely. No, because this is going to go on, and people who like the place are going to be like, <laughs> but you disparage <laughs> like, I just want to say that I didn't particularly feel comfortable. Red Rose feels like it's a fancier occasion, and this feels like an any day occasion. Yeah. yeah. The brick, especially, the brick makes it feel that there's a brick, long brick wall here with, with um, different decorations and the posters that Monty mentioned, and it really feels warm and inviting and cozy. And it's also worth noting that it's self-service most of the day, and then it's table service after four, but they do have a bar here, and I love the pictures of the family members on the bar. Like, it looks like there's, like, interesting Amaro. What is that bottle with the, the nut-looking thing? I'm gonna go see what that is. We're only allowed <laughs> to do day drinking once a week, for now. Turns out they got it in squares anyway. All right, should we put it on this little pizza yeah. elevation unit? Yeah, yeah, elevate the pie. First impressions of the pie? Thank you. Thank you. Is that anything else or you good? We're good. Okay, thank thanks. you. Thank you. Sweet, thank you. Okay, we were talking last time about whether the pepperoni cups or it just kind of lies flat. This appears to be lie flat pepperoni, also kind of buried under the mushrooms, which also look like canned mushrooms. They yep. are definitely canned mushrooms. Yeah. Not enough browning on my cheese. Take a look at the cross pizza. It's, underneath. it's a little, it's okay. A little bit of black. It's a thick, thick pie. It's puffy. Uh, um, it's it's puffy. very puffy, yeah. yeah. It's like me after I eat <laughs> pizza gluten the next day. I think right. I have a gluten thing. <laughs> kind of sad, yeah. I'm, I'm having, to, having to wrap my mind and accept the fact that I think I do. Yeah. Nice. And we got garlic bread and also a little antipasto there. Your gluten problem and pasta is a problem. Antipasta is the solution. Is the solution. <laughs> yeah. It's always the solution. Yeah. Are there anchovies in that antipasta? Which is no. always key for me. No. This is the hardest part. Waiting. Waiting. Thank you, Tom Petty. I wonder if it's the time of day. Because we're, we might be the first pie of the day. It looks a little undercooked on the bottom, my opinion. At least, like, it's got, like, where it's it's met the, the oven pretty firm, yeah. which yeah. is nice. Yeah. There's a little char along the edges, which I like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Got to have that yeah, crust. The tiniest piece. Not quite crackery, but definitely more than marshmallowy. It's not too hot. It's not too hot? It's not too hot to eat and dive right in. Mark, if I burn my mouth right now, and I remember tasting this pie for the next week, I'm going to be angry at you. There's a lot of crust, but it's good. Yeah. Like texture-wise and taste-wise, this is nice. Yeah, I liked Red Rose's crust. I'm not sure where this would rank, but I'm gonna have a few more bites and try to figure it out. It's definitely softer, but it is good, like we said, than the Red Rose. Like the, the taste and the texture of it, I like better than, than Red Rose's, even though there's a lot of it. There's like almost too much of it, but. And Red Rose had a very oregano-y sauce, and this has a more traditional standard type sauce. Nothing to write home about, but still very good and nothing 
overly noticeable about it. I think the level of cheese is great. I just want it to have like a minute or two more in the oven. So just brown it up. Yeah, but that's like, I like my cheese to be a little bit crispy. Right. And this does have the, as we referred to it, roof of cheese. These are gonna be the terminologies we bring into Pizza Quest. Pepperoni cupping, roof of cheese. <laughs> but like, roof of cheese just on the cheese side, like, like it's almost a little bit emaciated on the topping side. Yeah, which I actually don't mind. Especially because the sauce is so good. Yeah. Do you find the crust yeasty? I find it, uh, Find it pretty yeasty. I find it to be a little, my, my opinion on the crust is a little undercooked. A little bit of a raw dough vibe under some of that cheese. Bridging the raw dough vibe. <laughs> I was talking and then I started chewing, which right. is when you shove the recorder in my face again. Because <laughs> that's the best time for yes. me to talk. Right. So people get all these terrible mouth sounds. <laughs> <laughs> we know nobody objects to that. No. <laughs> I'm cringing. So yeah, there's the drier mozzarella, which I also like with this because it melts nicely. But yeah, it's just a little bit more time in, yeah, in the oven. I'm going to get my creme brulee torch on Torch the top of it. It seems like there's less cheese on the side of toppings. Yeah, exactly. Just in general. They didn't put, they didn't cheese the whole thing and then put toppings on top of it. It seems like the other half, they put toppings on and then cheese. So I can see the cheese melty on top of the, um, how's the garlic bread? Good. It's got real garlic. You made your own little stromboli there got and some put hot some, peppers. some antipasta in the garlic bread. Yeah, it's great. Garlic bread is really yeah. Eat it with someone you trust or love because, like, yeah. this garlic is gonna stay with you. It's not a complaint. I love the garlic bread. Mm -hmm. I mean, of all these things, and I put a little bit of salami in there, and it's got like a nice amount of olive oil, and the garlic gives it a little bit of heat. Like that might be my favorite thing of the whole thing. Get the garlic bread. Yeah, that's right. Keeps the vampires away. The Gaelic bread. <laughs> that's tomorrow on the show. After further crust investigation, our amateur pizzaiolo from Montague, Mark Latanzi, has found out why maybe there isn't enough char on the bottom of the crust and why it's a little bit undercooked. They're baking it on a screen. You can see the texture in the bottom of the crust. Yeah. So there's pros and cons on that. The main con is you don't get the direct oven contact, which may mean things get a little undercooked. What's your philosophy of pizza stones? Well, I use a pizza steel now in all my pizza baking. The thing just rips. It, it, it gets you a better crust at a lower temperature. So if your home oven doesn't get up to 550, you can still have a stone in there and get a really nice leoparding on the bottom of your crust. It's a great invention, and everyone who likes to make pizza at home should get one. Real fast. But what's a pizza steel versus a pizza stone? Same thing, just a sheet of steel instead of yeah. a, a ceramic. Right. You, you think that's better than the stone? Yeah, it yeah. works faster. It maintains a much higher, more consistent heat because it's a giant slab of metal. <laughs> and we all want to be more metal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially Tony Dunn. <laughs> Rock on. Excellent. Tony Dunn's a big... Metalhead, Steve Vai, electric guitar thrash. Yes, I am. Okay, Pizza Quest 2. Family, Pizzeria Europa, Sumner Ave, Springfield. Final thoughts, our show, bless you, our show director, Tony Dunn. It was enjoyable. I liked it. Certainly would come back again. No complaints. I like the sauce a lot. The sauce was salty. It wasn't sweet. I 
personally can't abide sweet pizza sauces, so I love that. Let me tell you about Iowa. <laughs> oh boy. Never go to Iowa, I guess. Don't and, eat pizza in Iowa. And it's a homey, fun, old school, local place. It's great. Final pizza thoughts. Amateur pizza I love from Montague, Massachusetts, Marco Tanzi, who works for Wayfinders in his day job that we stole for lunch. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. I threw my lunch away when I got your call. Do you regret this decision? <laughs> no, I didn't really throw it away. I'm Italian, I'm not throwing away food. No way. <laughs> I've got all this Tupperware to give it out to all of you. <laughs> so I think uh, just cook it longer. You've got a solid base to start with. Just cook it longer. That's all I'm saying. Final thoughts, Kalee Smith? Agreed. Like, the flavor of the crust is great. The sauce is awesome. It needs a little more time in the oven. And I don't know if this is one of those things and maybe one of those places where, <sighs> against all of my sensibilities I ask for a pizza well done and it comes out the way that I want. The fact that you have to ask for temperatures with pizza is a thing that I rail against, but <laughs> this pizza might be worth it. And we're going to take home two slices for NEPM News Department's Liz Roman. Okay, final word goes to the NEPM News Department's Liz Roman, whose mouth is full right now. You are one of the people that, that highly recommended this pizza and your thought after we have taken it We've, the leftovers. <laughs> I think it's just as good as it as it would have been fresh. I love their pizza. They're my favorite pizza place in Springfield, hands down. All right. What's it, what is it about it that you like? I like the service. I like the quality of the product. I think the crust is perfection. It's just crunchy enough. It holds up the meat and the sauce and the cheese really well. It doesn't like get flimsy on you. So I really appreciate that. And uh, they're generous with toppings, which I like too. All right. You heard it from the NEPM News Department's Liz Roman. Pizza Quest 2, Family Pizzeria Europa in Springfield decimated. Do you have a suggestion for where our next location in our search for the best pizza in the four counties of Western Mass should be? Let us know. Tell us your pizza secrets. Email thefab413 at nepm.org or text 1-800-639-9120. Coming up, where to find the best Celtic music for your St. Patrick's Day weekend with Louise Dunphy from Celtic Crossings Radio. You're listening to the Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. Louise Dumphy is a radio host behind the program Celtic Crossings, which airs Sunday mornings on our alma mater 93.9 The River and on WMUA in the years before that. Welcome, Louise. Oh. Well, I can't tell you how delighted I am to be with you today. <laughs> I was so worried. Pizza, Frontier Pizza in Sunderland. Okay, Frontier Pizza in Sunderland. Okay. Adding it to the list, Louise. Uh, in, the, right. in the few minutes right. we have left here, give us your uh, top takes on who's playing where musically right. for St. Patrick's Day well, weekend this weekend. Well, I need weekend. to let you all know that tonight you can see the fabulous Winifred Horan, formerly of Solas. Solas is on a long extension away from Solas, and they're all doing marvelous things. Winifred's with their new group, Reverie Road, at the Gateway City Art in Holyoke, down there on Ray Street. It's an 8 o'clock show. The door opens at 7, and Jared's, the restaurant right there, opens much earlier than that. So let me go on for you there, Monty. Tomorrow is a very big day, because tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day. Right. And... Um, it's Rosie Kane and the Wild Irish Shenanigans at 7.30 at the Unitarian Society of Northampton. It's going to be a great concert they're, at 8 o'clock. They're going to be joining us live in the studio tomorrow, and they're at Hawks and Reed over the weekend, too, so that should be fun. That's right. They're at Hawks and Reed Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock. But tomorrow night, it's the Big Bad Bollocks at the Drake in Amherst. Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. So if you if you like your Celtic music um, on the punk side, these, this is the group for you. And Johnny Allen, another radio host. Johnny Allen. Yes. Yep. He, he's the lead. Yep. Love that guy. Um, also tomorrow night over at Brennan's in Holyoke, it's the Boston Blackthorn. Lovely guys. They're a great group. It's at four thirty. So for those of us who like happy hours to get home early. This is the show for you. <laughs> That's my nice. kind of show. That's my kind of show. <laughs> <laughs> However, tomorrow night, I will be at the Parlor Room because it's Kevin Burke, one of the greatest fiddlers in the world today, along with Newly Kennedy and Emin O'Flynn. They're all fabulous musicians. It's going to be a great show tomorrow night at the Parlor Room. Tickets you can get by going to the website. So Listen. Also, to, uh, tomorrow night at the Irish Cultural Center over in West Springfield, it's one of our local groups, traditional, fabulous group. I love these guys. It's New Leaf. It's going to be a great time there. Great time. It's not the name of a pot shop. It's a local Celtic band. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Different type of green. That's right. And so you the say. Way, the, fourth, the fourth Sunday of every month now, you can catch the Irish session with the members of New Leaf Sunday afternoons, the fourth Sunday of the month, over at the Gateway City Arts. We're having a fine time there. Louise Dunphy is the host of Celtic Crossings on our alma mater, 93.9 The River, every Sunday morning. Uh, It's a beautiful show to listen to, to wake up to, and thank you so much for letting us know everything that's going on with music uh, in the four counties of Western Mass for St. Patrick's Day weekend. Well, Monty, thanks for having me. I'd like to get the word out. If you want to know more, go to my Facebook page, Celtic Crossings Radio Program. Tomorrow in the fabulous 413, straight up St. Patrick's Day shenanigans with live in-studio band Rosie Kane and Wild Irish Shenanigans. A lesson in the Irish language with Emmer McGuire and Gerald Costello, who teach the language at Elms College. And the Whiskey Thunderdome. Whiskey Ir- shenanigans. Yeah, Irish whiskey tasting shenanigans live in the studio with Sean Barry from Four Seasons in Hadley. Our director is Tony. What's a nicer way to say serviceable done? Our engineer is Betsy. Thanks for the cookies and maple syrup, Cordis. Our technical team is Kara, sizing up the CD library. Foster Bart loves playing disc jockey Rankin and punk rock Dubay. Musical thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, Pryden, Jay Giles Band, Wham, and all the Celtic bands that we just talked about. <laughs> I'm Kalee Smith. I'm Monty Belmonte. Happy birthday, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs>